Praise the Lord. You can go ahead and sit down. Um, I like this. It spins around. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll go real quick. I'll give you my resume. Um, it's not real long. I was born in Live Oak, went to Swanee High. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I love this part of the world. You know, we don't think of ourselves as being part of the world. We think North Florida, that's it. But, you know, there's no place like North Florida. I've been all around, and North Florida is very unique. It might be just unique because I'm from here. <laughs> but you know what? There's a great opportunity for you uh, who live here. There is, there is really something special, and I, I'm not just saying that. But I, and, and maybe it's because I'm a little bit biased and I'm, I'm from here. But I'm telling you what, um, there are some hungry people here. And uh, there are individuals that have walked with God and sown to the kingdom of God even when you didn't see results. Some of you have done things because you knew it was the right... I, this is my resume. This is the way my going to take a turn and then we'll come back, all right? Just don't... Let me forget. I forgot to tell you who I was. Um, some of you have done things because it was the right thing to do all your life. Some of you tithed all your life. You've heard all these messages. You've heard these things. But you haven't seen the increase in your life. And I'm not just talking about financially, but in every area. You've come, you've worked in a church, you've sown, you've given your life to the kingdom of God, but you haven't quite seen what you think you should. When you read the Bible, your life doesn't look like what you read in the Bible, yet you've remained faithful. And there are people just like you all over this city, just like you all over this part of the state, committed to the kingdom of God, but somehow... I'm going to say it this way, have been deceived enough. The thing you should know is I just kind of say it like I think and how, you know, let's just be straight. The the enemy is able to rob from you by deceiving you. Not because you're not good enough, not because you didn't do it good enough, not because you didn't know enough, and not even because you didn't have enough faith. Because somehow he got in and has deceived you and has robbed you. Well, I believe the Holy Ghost is going to help you. And I'm not going to say just starting tonight. I believe our whole lives, the Holy Spirit has been trying to help us, right? But I'm telling you what, when I've I've heard all my life, what do you do? When you've been deceived, what do you do? Lois was reading some scripture the other day, and she was talking about um, how one translation is, it, it, it says, they are like those who live with the shades of their mind and of their life pulled down. You know what I mean? And so I believe that this is your year, this is your time in your life to say, I will be deceived no more, I walk in the light. Therefore, I will live in the light and I will declare the works of God and demonstrate to my generation. And that's not just an old person's word. That's a young person's word. Some of y'all came out saved. You know what I mean? Like y'all been raised in church. Your first word was hallelujah. Four syllables. I don't even know. Eight syllables. Hallelujah. Yeah, you know. Like y'all, 
What in the world? Like, you, we could say the same thing to you. Some, some people came into it later in life. Some people came illuminated later in life. But I feel like some of y'all been born in this. So who's got more of an excuse? It's harder to unlearn some things than it is to walk in some things. And one thing I will not do is give you a pass because your driver's license says under 18 or you don't even have one. Because what I see and always have seen in the Word of God, we were talking about this the other night, is that Jesus was 12 years old and he was in the temple. We were talking about it. I've, I've, I've been in youth ministry my whole life. At 13 years old, my youth pastor, Chris Musgrove, who still runs around here in these parts, he lives in Valdosta, Georgia, and he's still in youth ministry. And when I was 13 years old, his wife's family is from Canada. And being in this little small church in Live Oak, they'd go to vacation on uh, in, into Canada, see their um, her family, and he'd say, Shelly, uh, I mean, we didn't have youth workers. We didn't know what youth workers were. Like, you know, you just had the youth. And you as a youth guy, you, you think you can do, you, you can preach Wednesday night. You know, it's Wednesday night. I'm 13. Sure. Why not? If he can do it, I can do it. Right? And so I grew up doing youth ministry. You know what I mean? So graduated from Swanee High, really had a heart uh, uh, to go to Rama at the time. And, and my uh, pastor... Frank Davis uh, and my mom got together and decided I was not going to Bible school until I graduated from college. So I went to college, <laughs> and I uh, graduated, and I went out to Rama and Cindy, Shekinah Glory, had been coming to my church. Uh, when I was a little uh, girl, about eight years old, uh, legend has it uh, that I was eight. Go ahead. Are you, are you just praising the Lord? <laughs> It happens around here. Thank the Lord. Anybody can do it at any point, any time. You will not disturb me. In fact, it will disturb me if you fall asleep. And I may wake you. I'm used to teenagers now. So if you look like you're not paying attention, I will help you. Do not be offended if you are older than me and I help you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, if you pull out your phones and look like you were scrolling, I may grab it and read what you're scrolling through. I, mean, I just have these bad habits after 30 or 40 years of, of youth ministry. You know what I mean? So um, I uh, had a heart after that to go to Rhema. I had been spirit-filled in a Shekinah Glory meeting when I was 8 or 9 years old in Live Oak. I mean, this group, we were, I mean, you know, I, I tell people, we came to church. I love, uh, love seeing you, you all here, but we were in church on Sunday morning. You know who was on the front row? The 8-year-olds, the 9-year-olds, the 12-year-olds. We all had our little uh, notebooks, and we were taking notes, didn't even know what we were doing. Yeah, I tell people, people say, I learned how to take notes in, in school. I learned how to take notes in church at 6 years old, at 8 years old, at 12 years old. Best thing you could do for your... Uh, uh, kids is to be able to, here's a Bible, here's a notebook. So we would, we, we didn't even know anything about the Holy Ghost. And this group comes through with these long flowing dresses and they start talking about the Holy Spirit. And I thought, I need that. I, I struggled with fear in my life. I'm not going to tell you my whole testimony, but I, I mean, I, I struggled like really, really bad. I would lay in bed at night and I was so fearful of different things. I would have these reoccurring dreams. And, you know, when you don't, your mind's not real tainted. I, I didn't have a real understanding of dark things in this world. But worst thing I knew is that my mom was allergic to a bee. 
<laughs> so this man would come to my window every night in my dream, and he'd say, your mom has been in a wreck, and she's been stung by a bee. <laughs> and it, like, fear would grip me. I, I don't even know what I was afraid. I didn't even know she could die from being stung by But I would be scared because this man was at my window telling me this horrific thing and it sounded it felt horrific I don't even know if it sounded horrific and it would I would lay in bed and I would be so scared I I I I only told this story one other time and and it was at a youth uh thing up there in Valdosta a couple months back and um literally I would lay in bed my mom would take me to the doctor and she I was 13 years old at one point obviously um (laughs) I just skipped right over that and um I went from you know, eight to 17. And I, I'm, why am I pointing you? I have no idea. This doesn't have anything to do with her, but sometimes I just like to get close to people. So um, I would wet the bed. I mean, I'm 12 years old, 11 years old. I'd wet the bed. And I wouldn't wet the bed because I didn't like, oh my gosh, I woke up and peed all over myself. I would wet the bed because I was too scared to get out of the bed to go to the bathroom. Now tell me that's not messed up. That's messed up. Like that's fear. You know what I'm saying? That, that's, that's a whole nother level. And I didn't even know what I was afraid of. My, my cousins, we go to these family reunions up in South Georgia. I'm originally from Albany. And, um, and so we, and they'd have these, on these big plantations, my Uncle Buddy, he had this big farm, you know, in this big barn. And my, my cousins would get up there and there'd be all these auto parts, you know, have mufflers, you know, like not just the straight end of the muffler that you see, but the kind that go, you know, the other part of the muffler that's under the, the car. And they'd get that and it looked like a, they top might be cut off and it looked like a neck. This looked, I had a wild imagination. You give your, you turn your imagination over to the devil, he'll run wild with it. And I could, they'd be like, we've got people up here and they'd be rattling cages. <laughs> and then they put a muffler out there and they'd tell me this is your long lost cousin. I think they, yeah, I mean, it was like crazy, stupid stuff. It's a muffler. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like how like messed up. And I'd be like, I'd be on the cat, the, the uh, porch scared to come off the porch because my cousins got some, you know, muffler up there trying to scare me with rattling cages and, you know, and it's daylight. It's not even nighttime. But I'm telling you, so I sat in that service, and I heard them say, the Holy Spirit can help you. And at eight or nine years old, I was smart enough to hear what God was saying, that the Holy Spirit can help you. He is your helper. He will be your best friend. He will do things that nobody else can do for you. I think I was the first one up there. I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I went back to my Baptist school that I went to. And I got up on the lunch tables and I stood up on the lunch tables and I said, listen, I want to tell you all something. Last night, I didn't know what Baptist was. I didn't know what Pentecostal was. I didn't know what anything was except I just got filled with the Holy Spirit with somebody who could help me. And I felt like I was a good candidate for help. Nobody told me I needed help. Nobody told me I was messed up. Nobody, I didn't even know. But I knew that I, I, there was a place I could live. It didn't, that didn't, that they had to be different than where I was living. And so I went back to my Baptist school, Westwood Baptist Church, had a school, thank God. And um, 
I went back and second grade and I, I stood on the lunch table and I said, listen, y'all, I got filled with the Holy Spirit last night. I want to tell y'all about it. And they're like mesmerized. And they're like, well, what does that mean? And I said, you pray in another tongue. It's like a language. And I began to explain it. And I'm like, do y'all all want it? And, um, you know, there wasn't lunch ladies. There was no hairnets. You brought your lunch box. You, you sat at the table. You had So teachers at lunch and, and uh, recess at, at those small private schools, they, that's kind of their me time. That's their, you know, teachers get together, talk time, and you kind of have your own time, and they don't really care what you're doing. So I'm over here. Nobody's recognizing that I'm up on the table getting all these kids filled with the Holy Ghost, right? And so these kids are like, well, what's it sound like? I'm like, and so we're, and then I got called to the principal's office and then my mom about got fired. They said, listen, your daughter cannot be doing this. If y'all going to come here, like it can't happen. And so, but I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I love what Pat Harrison says about the Holy Spirit. Uh, Pat Harrison is uh, brother Hagen, dad Hagen's daughter. We know a lot about Pastor Hagen, but Pat and Buddy, uh, Buddy's gone on to be with the Lord, and Pat was his daughter, Buddy was uh, Pat's uh, husband, and she says it like this, I love the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is to me everything that Jesus promised he would be. Like, if you don't wake up and your first thoughts aren't thoughts about the Holy Spirit, he, I mean, think about this. I tell people, this is not, uh, you know, some of y'all may not pray in tongues. But you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. You, you can leave here filled with the Spirit tonight. This is not my message. We got a long way to ground to cover here. But let me tell you this. I, I, I begin to think about this. Jesus said, now imagine what it would be like if Jesus was walking on this earth today. Like if Jesus was walking with me, like he was in my car, like physically, like I could see him. And if I had a question, I'd turn to him, Jesus, man, what about this? Man, my friend said this, my teacher said this, my mama said this, you know, I, I feel like this, you, you know, and you could just ask him anything. I mean, he's right there. It'd be like asking somebody that you really trust, even better than that, right? It's Jesus. But Jesus said this, it is better that I go. Like I might, okay, breakdown of the mind, okay, I no longer can process this with my mind because my mind can't imagine which just shows how fleshly I am. If you had a choice, do you want to be uh, uh, the, the home? Do you want to house the, the living God on the inside of you? Do you want to be filled with the Spirit in a day where you can do things that no other generation before Jesus came and released the Holy Spirit? Would you like that? Or would you like for Jesus just to dwell with you every day? We would say... Maybe I'd like Jesus because we're so naturally minded. Just because we can see him, we think it's more real. We think there's more available because I can reach out and touch him and, and I can feel him and I can see his face when I talk to him and I, he can see my, and, and I just think it seems more, I think that might be better. But Jesus said, it is better that I go. Because if I go, I can send someone to you. And he sent the Holy Spirit. So I think it would help us to really 
take advantage. I like an advantage. I'm a very competitive person. Ask my husband. My husband's here. My youngest and my other daughter, Grace, she was in our um, Caroline. Everybody, you can see the back of her head. There you go. It's not the princess wave. It's a woo-hoo. Uh, and then Grace, she, she's grown up in, in uh, our youth group back in Tulsa. I tell you what, if you don't have somebody with you everywhere you go, I'm going to tell you you're not discipling anybody. Let me say that to this side of the room. Y'all look like y'all got the money to disciple people. Y'all like y'all got the spiritual to disciple people. So I'm going to tell you, if you're going places and you don't have somebody with you, you're probably not discipling people. And I think I just heard at the beginning of after worship, what did he say uh, in the announcements? First thing, the announcement said, help me out, Justin, or whoever did the announcements. Who was the... Uh, it said, we are a, our pastor, we grow Christians. Ho, shitaha. That, that is the vision of your pastor. You go to this church and you chose to go to this church or God chose for you to go to the church and you are obeying, right? Guess what your vision is? We grow Christians. Where are the Christians that you're growing? Well, so why are they out there? Because I like this lady. She speaks the truth, baby. That's what I'm talking about. What's your name? Y'all need to come listen to Kathy. She said, tell me how earlier. They out there. I mean, we grow, is that just a, is that just a thing? Because, you know, we really know how to do things. With 50 bucks and a wild imagination, you can get a website, you can get a, um, a business going, and all you got to do is just have a motto. You know, I used to be in Christian radio. We have a radio station up in Live Oak, so I'd go down to Daytona Beach, and I'd learn how to do radio. And on these uh, nonprofit radio stations, you can't advertise, right? But interesting how they slip it in. You know, you ever listen to a, 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 one of those underneath like 89.1? That means it's, it's a nonprofit or it's, you know, it's not a for-profit radio station. And so what they say is you can't advertise on those radio stations, and, um, but you can have sponsors. So if Al's Wrecking Service sponsors or, you know, BJ's Hamburgers or whatever sponsors a show, you, they can't, you can't have an advertisement where they have a commercial. But you can say this portion of our radio uh, broadcast was underwritten by Kyle's, I know that's your dad's, but we're going to call it yours. or You don't ever have to work in it. You can own it and have seven other businesses. But Kyle's uh, Drywall, they do the best drywall in the nation. And as long as that's their motto, I mean, you know, how can you qualify that they're the best in the nation? Well, as long as it's their motto, you can say it, yeah. right? And that's kind of how we, the church, and we, you know, we, we get, as long as we, we present it out there and it looks good, it sounds good, it looks like we've got it all together, it, it, then that's, that's good enough, right? We got a good motto here, loving living, love God, love people, love life. It sounds so good. And we grow Christians. Do you? Like, do you? Because that's what God, that's what Jesus said. Go and make disciples. Go and grow Christians. 
Now, I gave them two scriptures because they asked me for two scriptures tonight. And we're going to get to them because I gave them to him. Maybe kind of halfway, sideways, sort of. We might go here. <laughs> and I'd really like to go there. But um, I like this. We grow Christians. We grow Christians. How would you grow a Christian? By just saying it? Show you, you disciple. I think that is fundamentally the worst thing that churches do today, meaning they don't do it very well. They do not disciple people. Yeah, you, and, and, and here's the deal. I, I've said this for years. If you, I mean, you get saved and you've got some, you meet with somebody once. And, and it's not Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. That's not the discipleship. That's not the, they may be discipling people, but they're not discipling you necessarily. They are equipping you. That's what the Bible says. Why do you come here? To be equipped. Who's strengthened? You, you, I mean, you, lots of things will happen, right? And they just, we just, we'll just call it equipping, right? But discipleship happens daily. And it is impossible for one person to disciple all of these individuals even inside of this room. And part of the problem of why we don't disciple is maybe we weren't discipled. And so, but you know what? We can blame it on that. And we can go to our grave and say, well, because, you know, I didn't have this and I didn't, have, I didn't do that. And I didn't. But maybe it's, that's not how we think about it because it, it, it wasn't present in our life. But that doesn't mean that we can't see it in the Word of God. And my God, it's our motto, our, our, our call to arms of, of this church. We might need to figure out what that means. And I happen to believe that, that one way, and y'all might, might get mad at me on this because I was a teenager once and still am. And I get it. Some of the people in the church I wouldn't want to be hooked up with. Like, you know, not because they're just so bad, but just because they're so boring. And, and what I mean is, because let me tell you, you know, you got Shekinah Glory. They sing the most random songs, in my opinion. They're not songs I would listen to if I had the choice. Like, I, if, if you go look at my playlist... Those songs are not on there. <laughs> Don't ever let Cindy hear this. But let me get in a hard time. Let me get in a bad place. What are the songs that come out of me? Call me redeemed. That is my name, right? They're songs that speak truth. And it doesn't matter what twang twang is behind it. It doesn't matter. And so it's, it's amazing. Young people, teenagers will flock there. We were at uh, uh, Pastor Mark's. Uh, what was the last meeting? I, I don't even know. I brought Cindy there. It was in, um, yeah, in June. And all we went out, we stayed a couple of days after, and we're hanging out with Matt and Angie. And y'all don't maybe know any of these people, but they're just youth pastors at a church. And in Louisiana, and they had a bunch of teenagers there, and Cindy was there. And somebody couldn't remember her name. These teenagers didn't even know who she was, right? I mean, she, they didn't see her on the platform and were drawn to her because of the anointing they saw here, which is sometimes easy to do. They were in Cain's chicken. Y'all got Cain's chicken here? 
right? Like that the shrimp. That's what I'm talking about. I know where Lulu May is. Lula May's is. We ate there the other day. Let's give her a plug. Lula May, baby. We went to Lula May. Y'all go see Lula May and tell her. Uh, we had some grits and some shrimp, and they don't cook good grits out in Tulsa. You go to like IHOP to get grits, and you're like, what is this? No wonder northerners don't eat grits. Y'all don't cook grits. This is not grits. I'm sorry. You don't have a stick of butter and a quart of salt in here. Because if you, like, what in the way? And it didn't cook on this stove with no, you know, for longer than five minutes. Like, what's this quick grit? Like, what? Anyway. Um, that's what I'm talking about. Lula May will do you right. Get some eggs. You don't have to salt your eggs if you put them in your grits. You don't have to salt for the next week if you cook your grits, grits right. You'll still be tasting it in your back molars, right? <laughs> so, we're at Cane's. Chicken, chicken, what combo you picking? That's how they, they you pull up to the uh, drive through That's what they say to you. Chicken, chicken, what combo you picking? I'll take a number four. <laughs> and so... We're in Cane's, and um, this person couldn't remember, this kid couldn't remember Cindy's name. She's like, where'd Gladys go? So they started calling Cindy Gladys. <laughs> it was the funniest thing. We're like, a Gladys, this my work. <laughs> and so now, like, they follow her on, like, we're, we're doing services, and we're sending them clips, and they are drawn to the anointing. People aren't drawn to her because she's got the coolest hairstyle. Although, she, where is, there's a, lay, I, I, we were talking the other night, you on the back row, you sing on the praise and word. I, the, if Cindy could have anybody's hair, she would have your hair. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now. And so, you know, I love her and I respect her. I'm joking around. But people are drawn to that. Young people are drawn to that because it's not boring. It is the anointing in demonstration. It is the power of God. If you go over to Corinthians, Paul said it this way. I don't come to you an excellent speech of man's wisdom, but I come to you in power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. There is going to be demonstrations in your lives. If not because you see it in there, because you see it's possible. So if you don't have anybody in your life that is demonstrating the power of God, then I say you rise up and start demonstrating. If there's no one, even if it's a Christian school, in your school that is demonstrating the power of God, I say your time is now. Like I said, Jesus was in the temple at 12 years old. He was not in children's church. He wasn't even in a cool youth group. His bonding time happened in the womb with John the Baptist, and they said, there's something for us to do. We recognized it as infants, as unborn children. We recognize what is on and in each, each one of us, right? Like they leaped. It wasn't their parents who leaped. They leaped. What does that mean? I don't know. But I can tell you what. I'm having a hard time sometimes finding a 15-year-old or a 65 or a 75 or a 55 or a 25-year-old person leap understanding what we understand. You know, we were talking about Grace and I the other day. We, we, where uh, um, 
it, somebody called them second generation sinners. You say, what's that? Well, I wouldn't have known either. But they were talking about Cain and Abel. So you got Adam and Eve who were sent out of the garden, became sinners basically, right? They were separated from God. They gave birth to these children. They're old enough to be tithing, working, tithing. How old is that? I don't know. Today's society would be 42. But, you know, um, back then, back then, you know, let's call it 13 or 16. You know what I mean? These are men, boys, who, are, who have a job and, and are old enough to have a job working in the field and tithes. But yet, they were not in necessarily connection as Adam and Eve were with God. Never. Because they were born outside of the garden. They were born when separation had come. Yet they heard the voice of God. Cain and Abel, he asked him, hey, where yet? What happened? Where's your brother? And he heard him. And here we've been in church 60 years. And we struggle hearing from God. <laughs> Why is that? Grow, Christians. <laughs> like, why, why, why? I mean, here we got sinners. Like, I mean, is it okay to call them that? I mean, you know, it's not what we want to call you. It's not what we want to. But what I'm trying to say is these were not people who, who were like Adam and Eve. They walked with God. He walked with them. They were in communion. And they, I mean, you know, when we talk of what Christ has done for us, if you want to know really what it was like, you don't just kind of read some scriptures and have an understanding, but you could go back to the garden because that was the original intent. That was how God made you to be with God. So that's what it was. But Cain and Abel were not afforded that opportunity. But they had parents who obviously still heard from God because it was modeled somehow for them. What are we modeling for our children? What, 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 what are we modeling? Why are we not getting up every morning and saying, okay, the Lord is saying this and the Lord is saying this and this is what we're going to do. You know what? I'm going to see someone in this congregation. I'm going to see someone outside of this congregation. I'm going to latch on to them and I'm going to walk with them. Let me tell you something. I can promise you. And I could tell you stories that I shouldn't be allowed to tell you because it would expose people. But it's not easy to walk with people. I get it. I could tell you stories of this month that has happened in my life where I committed because I believe God said, walk with these people, grow these people, and it's not been pretty. It's not been easy. I can tell you I've wanted to walk away from people. Because it's hard. People uh, hurt. People are troubled and they will take it out on you. And you will get blamed for things. And you will get walked on. You will get spit on. I can remember being in, uh, I don't know if you know, the housings up in, in Canada. I was up there and we were doing some services. And, um, and uh, we went out, we took the youth out on the street. And I said, we're going to learn how to witness. I mean, I, I'm not a big just knock on somebody's door and, 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 and get them saved. But I'm not afraid to knock on somebody's door and get them saved. I mean, you know, Azusa Street never would have happened. 
If somebody had not been praying and heard something, a word from the Lord, and went to somebody's door that they did not know. That's how it got started. Knocking on somebody, didn't know. I mean, African-American man walking outside of the time he should have been walking in the streets, could have been arrested, but by the hearing of, of what God had for him after a prayer, walked and knocked. And, and I'm saying this because in that day it was as foreign as, as an illegal, if you will, to these white women's door, knocked on the door and said, here's the deal. Like it never would have happened. If somebody didn't get outside their comfort, wasn't afraid of what might happen. But yet, <laughs> let me tell you about my church. We grow Christians. Where's, where, where is your plant? Where is it? I see families here. I see singles here. Uh, I see people who probably been together for many years in friendships, walked in life. Where is your disciple? And I just, I, just, I just need that to sit there. <laughs> because the church needs to start. I get it. There's going to be an awakening. The fire of God is going to fall. People are going to be down here rolling and healing. And, and there's going to be things that happen outside. But you still got to walk with people. The Bible says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. He was 12 years old. He was reading these things. The reason he could quote and read in Luke 4... You know, the, the monumental uh, moment of where he stands up and who he is and the recognition of, of what he was created to be. The only reason he could do that is because he began to grow in those things. You still have to grow. Now, God can visit them in the night. I believe God will have to, the Holy Spirit's doing things that the Holy Spirit can do, but was really your job to do. Like, he got to wake somebody up in the middle of the night, show up in their bedroom, just because for 10 years you've been their neighbor and hadn't even talked to them. Like, I'm just saying, he's going to get the job done. Got to send people to America from other nations because the church in America is so more concerned with who you know our little family and my god if we you know if i i take somebody to to disney world with my family who's never gone like you know how much money that is to go to disney world like i'd take another teenager to disney world like i'd take another you know like i go out to eat it's going to cost 20 more dollars if i bring somebody else but yet we are believing to prosper what are you believing to prosper for? I'm, I'm happy for new trucks. I'm happy for new houses. But if we can't branch out as tithing uh, 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 members of a church who grows Christians and take somebody out to eat so they can feel loved, not just in your church but outside your church, so that they can feel uh, 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 connected, so they can feel like I've always said this, I didn't have a great family. A great mom, great dad, and their their own respect, my wonderful mom. Um, but my family was a little bit disjointed and troubled. And I say this, if you don't have a natural family, you're lacking natural, uh, uh, in your natural family, get in church and God will make up the difference. Amen. 
He will bring you mothers and fathers and aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters. And that is you in your seat. And if you have not taken your role, you have mistaken your role. And I really, this was not, I have read out of Second Kings on the way to church. Because we went to, I, I'm going to be honest, we went to Universal today. Glory. Um, and I'm standing here preaching and it's okay. God, <laughs> I, let, me, let me tell you, 10 things I learned about theme parks <laughs> in Florida. 10 things the theme parks of Florida have taught me. In 2022. <laughs> Just this year. So I've, I've been, I mean, you know, I, I, I grew up in Lava. We went to Disney World for about every class trip. You know what I mean? Like, you know, band trip, whatever trip. You went, you know, we even get, you know, so anyway. So I, I've been to them all my life. But it, it was interesting this time. What I recognized, you know, Caroline had just gone to Universal about two uh, spring breaks ago with a friend. And so, and, and another friend from here was there today, and we're running around, so they know, you know, let's go over here, let's go to Hulk, let's go to this, let's hop, hop, you know, to this park, to this park. We're hopping all around because they know where all these roller coasters are. I promise you, 85% of the roller coasters we rode were not roller coasters. They were, what do you call them? Virtual roller coasters. So we are not on a roller coaster, people. That is not roller coasters in your theme parks. You have been lied to. <laughs> they, have, they have replaced your roller coasters with these little comfortable seats with these goggle things that you got to sit in and you watch this movie and you get jerked and shaken and, you know, this thing's going this way and it's shaking this way. Uh-oh, and this sprays on you. And you realize when you, you take those glasses down and you look to the side, you ain't going nowhere. Somebody's got some fans. You ever seen on Facebook uh, or, or Instagram those, those videos, like reels and different things like this? It, I saw this way before reels were even a thing, so it may have just been on Facebook. But there's this, like, it's like in Asia somewhere or something. And, and it's like Frozen. Who's the lady in Frozen? Um, Elsa, yeah. And so she's like, and this person's dressed up. It's like low-budget theater. And so Elsa's, Elsa's up here singing, you know, and she's, ah, she's singing. And it kind of just pans in right here. Did I just mess up your camera and jumped up here? Um, she's singing. It's panned in here. And as it pans out, there's like water, like dripping from a hose that's being sprayed. And a guy's down here fanning, like it's, it's fanning. So that, I mean, it was like low budget is low budget gets, right? That's what these roller coasters remind me of. You are not on a roller coaster. You are in a chair that somebody's under it, shaking it. You know, you see these things. You go to youth camp and they say, they take these kids out of the room and they say, all right, listen, we got five kids out here. You got 600 kids in there. On the stage out there, they're telling the 600 kids, listen, these people are going to be coming in here describing the last time they went to the bathroom. And these five people outside the door, they say, listen to me. What we want you to do is go act like the last time you rode a roller coaster. So these kids come in here, and they sit down, and they're like, ah! 
And these people are falling out of the chair because they think, oh, my gosh, it may be rough for them. Man, they're blowing it out like on the toilet, you know. And so that's what, that's what I feel like. Like it's a joke. Like what in the world? So what I realize is that we have a generation of people as long as it looks like I'm on a roller coaster, as long as it feels like I'm on a roller coaster, as long as my neck is jacked up enough to my chiropractor will think I've been on a roller coaster, then you know what? I can say I just rode a roller coaster. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, hello, Universal Studios, please hear me. Bring back the wooden roller coasters. <laughs> Please, bring back. <laughs> I, right, right. I want to hear the. Yeah, <laughs> I want my hair to be flying in the wind. I want, you know, my heart to drop more than just a second because, I, you know, the floor only gives as much and, 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 and that video can only drop so, you know, it slings so whatever. And, and I, I mean, you know, they're like, well, you don't really get wet on these. You know you don't get wet because it's somebody's with a spray bottle behind the curtain. Like, woo, that mummy ride was great. You know, I, I think the mummy ride actually was a roller coaster, though, wasn't it? I mean, it does mean. I like, I, I'm like, take me back to Branson. <laughs> like, they got real roller coasters. Like, what has happened to Florida? Like, I know y'all got a great governor and all, but come on. Like, y'all got it. <laughs> right? Anyway, so that is a picture of the church. As long as we can look like we're Christians, as long as we can act like, make, not even act, as long as other people think that the way we act is a Christian's life, as long as we know what to say. But the problem with that, with that is when you need the power of God, you're sitting still. There's been no progress in your life. You, you have made, you've covered no ground. You have not grown any. You just know the right things to say. You know where, how to spray it so it looks a certain way. We were the other day, we were doing some karaoke at a friend's house. And uh, Brittany, she was here. She's singing. I don't even know what song she was singing. She's singing some song. And I got a pillow behind her. And I'm fanning. Every time she'd flip her hair, her hair, the wind would catch it in... Flip, we got it on video. It'd flip it up, right? You know, they, that's what they do in all those model shoots. That's what they do in all these concerts. That's what people do in church. I mean, I've been in youth ministry. Remember, this is all about my resume. Y'all going to be here a long time. I am so sorry. Um, I didn't have three meetings like Shekinah Glory, so I got to get it all out in one. They just split it with me. We could have been out of here really early tonight. <laughs> Take it up with them. So, um, as long as we feel like we're making progress, I'm a, I, I, I say I'm a runner. I don't run much anymore. I'd like to. I got to find the time and the right time of the day. I used to be able to run at two o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon, and that sun's really hot nowadays. I think. Global warming might be a thing when it goes to running. You know what I mean? Um, so, uh, but one thing I do not do is run on a treadmill. It, it will just make me want to beat my head up against the wall because I go nowhere. Nowhere. 
I, I don't like it. I can't just sit. I can go about two miles on a treadmill, and then I got to get off. And if I want to do any kind of circuit training at all, I got to go two mile, two, you know, two miles on a treadmill, go on a bike, get on the. I got to do fifteen machines because I can't be on one for that long. But the church seems like treadmill is working great for them. <laughs> the problem is, you're going nowhere. And so when you need the power of God, see, it frustrates me. I don't like it. I've been in hospital rooms with kids who never should have died, teenagers that never had to die, adults that never should have died. But we didn't have what it took. We had it, but we didn't know how to access it and give it. I'm talking to myself. I've been there, the, the one that everybody was looking to. You know, and I get we, we you know, we're learning. So I'm not, I'm not harping on anybody. I'm not trying to be negative, but we're learning. Brother Hagin, what did he say? The doctors practice medicine. Why are we not practicing faith? That's not, I don't think that's how he said it, but that's my paraphrase. We can practice the anointing. But if you never put yourself out there, this no pra- nobody practices baseball on the couch. That's called we, and that's the generation that we just told you about. <laughs> the we, you know. I got tendonitis from my we. I play, well, what do you do? I play tennis. In your, that's racquetball. No, 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 the we. <laughs> yeah, that's, y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. We, it's a video game. It used to it was an old. <laughs> we golf. He's like, I don't know nothing about nothing. That's good. So anyway, um, that is, and I'm not, you know, they say, when you preach, it should empower people to do something. You should go out of here feeling like you should do something. So I'm not trying to beat on you. But what I'm trying to do is agitate you. I'm trying to tell you you were made for more. I'm trying to tell you that when you walk in your school, the Spirit of God walks in your school. And when you, the Spirit of God walks in your school, depression should leave people. And if it's not, I'm going to say you're not stirring yourself up before you walk in your school. If you're not walking through your neighborhood on your daily walks and for some reason people are saying, hey, my neighbor told me about you and told me I could find you out here at 7 o'clock every morning and I need to ask you a question, then you might should reach a little, a, a, a little more. I think you might need to get a little... Let me read a story because we, we really do have to go because I could meddle like that all day because when I heard that we are growing Christians, it really excited me. Really excited me because as much as I believe the fire of God is going to fall in our generation, as much as I believe Acts chapter 2, uh, the former and the latter rain, and that we're going to live in it, and we're going to see this, and I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. What do you think if just I told you that God was going to pour out of his spirit on all flesh? What if I told you maybe that's not going to just go straight from heaven into someone? Maybe it's going to come through you. When? Is it? We can ask the third row. <laughs> so I'm just, you know, I'm just saying because let me let me read you. Discernment, um, my pastor has been talking about discernment for quite some time now. 
And it's one of the things that you really need to walk in in this day. You know, you can go through the New Testament and you hear about uh, in, in these days, there'll be teachers, there'll be, you know, uh, false teachers, there'll be, I mean, and we're seeing so much of what we've read in the Bible, whether you recognize it or not, right? And um, discernment is, is, is a big deal, big deal. And you need to recognize some things so that you can walk in some things. This is not the day where pastors stand on the platform and build huge ministries so that people can come to them and, and, and when they need something, they, they come to the pastor because the pastor is the only one who had it. It never should have been that way. Never should have been that way. But the church is now, thank God, being shaken up by pastors who understand the truth and are giving you the light. I don't, maybe some of y'all were taught wrong. Maybe some of y'all were taught to focus wrong. And, and, and maybe that's uh, the problem that was, but that is not the problem today. The problem today is that we've gotten so comfortable in how we do Christianity. We know what we should do. We know how to do it. It may not be very easy because we've never done it, whether we're 13, 14, 15, or 55. Like, you've got no excuse. So there's... a. Uh, uh, there's just something that you carry, the fire of God. I mean, I'm t- I could sit here and tell you stories. People in, in, um, in schools where the power of God falls in their school, public schools, people say, well, you can't do this. and You can't mention God. You can't do this. Well, don't mention God. Just bring him. Like, just bring him. Like, just be like, rivers. <laughs> You know, Caroline, she, I don't know why I just thought of this. She might not, she had a Mickey. You might know what a Mickey is. It's like a feeding tube. They take out the feeding tube, they put in a Mickey. So when she was a, a, a baby and older, she had a Mickey. She had a feeding tube. She was in the NICU, blah, 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 whole testimony in itself. So what happens is, you know how babies get on the beds and they're up on the beds and they slide down the beds on their belly, you know? Well, if she did that, that Mickey would fall out. It would slide out. Well, that's into her stomach. So then she'd walk around, she'd be like, and this thing of milk was just squirting all over the house <laughs> just and I'd be like I, I mean when it first started you're freaking out you got to get the Mickey back in you got to get the syringe you got to you know all this stuff and um but when she'd do it sometimes I'd be like yeah rivers coming out of your bag you know it's in her stomach I'd be like prophesy baby rivers of living water coming out of your belly she'd be walking around oh she's like the Mickey came out <laughs> and it's just squirting right some of y'all need to squirt some of y'all need to come slide down here at the altar and start squirting. Like, I mean, you got rivers of living water. You got a, your job. You say, what am I here for? I'm 72 years old. I'm 14 years old. And y'all both have the same question. What am I here for? I don't think I matter in anybody's life. I don't think that anybody recognizes me or notices. I mean, it's the same thing no matter how old you are. Let me tell you, if you are a part of this church or any church, your job, what are you here for? To grow Christians. 
Well, I think I might be called to the mission field. Well, you know what you do? Where, whether you're here in Apopka or you're in uh, uh, Southeast Asia or you're in a remote part of whatever or you're just in, you know, Miami. That's a mission field, right? Uh, what do you do? You grow Christians. You, you do the lay hands on the sick, cast out devils, <laughs> speak in a new tongue. What do you do? Raise the dead. Whether you're in a popka or on the mission field, you do the same thing. Whether you're in school or you're in at your work, it's the same thing. It never changes. And the challenge is we want to segregate everybody and everything and give people a pass. Well, they just became a Christian or they just whatever. Well, if they just became a Christian, man, I've been to things that I've, I went to a bull riding thing. I went to you know, different things I'd never done before. It didn't take me but a second to get acclimated into that atmosphere and become and do exactly what they were doing. But in the church, like the Israeli army, they acclimate people into that army in one year. They look just, I mean, I I, I could go through, I read it all that that happens in that whole culture. They can acclimate people, they can learn the language, they can do all of that in one year. Which means if you're growing Christians in one year, they ought to be flame-throwing devils, stomping, raising the dead, walking in life just like God created them, reigning in situation in one year. If you can do it in the natural, certainly you can do it in the realm of the spirit. Y'all have people at your school, again, Christian, or, or, or if it's a public school, it does not matter. They have a target on their back and it has your name on it. And if you don't know who those individuals are, you need to get on your face and you need to find out. Because God didn't set you where he set you just so you can get an education. He never does that. That's like saying, well, you work where you are so you can get a paycheck. No, you're called to where you are. And you've got a limited, you're a junior, right? So count it out, 180 times 2. That's how many days you've got to impact the people in your school. That's how long you have that when they're 32 years old and they're laying in bed, they'll remember the words that you spoke to them. That they'll go home changed because you sat behind them in history and begin to speak to them. Like because when you leave there, you leave there. And you don't get that opportunity again. You get new opportunities, but you don't get that opportunity. And the same goes for all of you. We're to grow. Let, let, me, let me just read this. Uh, otherwise, I don't, I, you know, people say she didn't even read scriptures. So I, I was reading, the, I was listening to this the other day, and then today, writing back, I'm going to read it. From the thing, the, the roller coaster mania, right? Had my, I just bought a spray bottle and just shook my head at Universal, said, I don't have to wait 45 minutes in line. I'm on a roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> Right? It would be cheaper. We're gonna y'all start opening up the doors, have roller coaster rides. Like <laughs> just shake the table, just I mean, get them in a chair and just shake it. Say, close your eyes. Think you're on a roller coaster. Think it. See it, see it, see it. That's it. Woo! Everybody's screaming around you. Y'all act like you just went to the bathroom. Anyway, um <laughs> That's right. Like, I see empty chairs. Like, he's saying, you know, well, you know, we're kind of coming back from... If we just... Anyway. (laughs) 
Like what happens if y'all all decided to bring your plant to church on Sunday? Because if it's that good here, why would you not want to share it? If it changed your life, why would you not want to get it in someone, someone else? See, I used to love, I still do, I love infomercials. Because I grew up in the church. And it was the first time where I actually saw somebody who believed in something so much, it caused them to do something and demonstrate it. I didn't see that in the church. Heard a lot of talk, heard a lot of good messages, heard a lot of things. I didn't see a lot of demonstration, right? I'd sit there all night long and I'd watch. Here it is, throw it on a white shirt, get blueberry. Yep, and then um, they, they had all, all those commercials, whatever it was. Like, here's a, a vacuum cleaner. It sucks roaches three rooms down. Just set it up here. It'll suck a bowling ball. Man, they put, pick up the bowling ball. It sucks so hard. Don't you want this vacuum cleaner? Like, man, and they believed it. I mean, I'm like, man, so much so it made me want to go get a vacuum cleaner. And I didn't even, I didn't even need a vacuum cleaner. I didn't even need OxyClean. I didn't need, but I would order this stuff off of the infomercials because I believe what they were telling me was true. Why? Not because they just preached it good. Not just because I'd been conditioned to say amen and run around. Not just because I'd been in enough Holy Ghost meetings to know how to act and when to act that way. But I believed it because they demonstrated it to me. 2 Kings 4, I'm not going to read verse 8. It goes on and goes on. This is Elisha where he raises the, the Shunammite's uh, woman's son. And, and I said I wasn't going to read Romans 8 or uh, 2 Kings 4, chapter 8, but I lied. Uh, now, it happened one day that Elisha went to uh, wherever that is. It's up there on the screen. Sometimes I get going really fast and with S's and H's and all these things, my words start slurring and I say words that I shouldn't say. So some words I just stay away from. Where there was a notable woman and persuaded him to eat some food. You know the story. It goes on, goes on. And it says, uh, look now. I'm in verse, I, I, I could have just, verse 9. Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall. I want you all to listen to this, young people on the front row. Wiser people in the other rows. And I know we've heard all this. We've heard this story. The Shunammite woman. We've heard this story. But that's the problem. We've heard it so much, we think we know it. I want to know if you, what you're living in your life. Like, like, don't come to me and say, I know this. Don't come to your pastor and say, well, I know this. And I know. Come to him and say, let me show you. What happened? Let me show you what I walked out. Let me show you. Right? Because we need some, as my friend says, some show and tell. God it did not create hide and seek. He created show and tell. We need somebody to demonstrate. We need someone in our generation, whether you've seen somebody do it or not, demonstrate the power of God. So this lady says, please let us make a small upper room on the wall uh, and let us uh, put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand so it will be. Whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. So what did she do? She made space. We understand that. We've been told that. We've been preached that and everything. So she made space 
for the anointing of God? Are you making space for the anointing of God? No, we make space for church, but your relationship with God is not church. Your relationship, watch out now, your relationship with God isn't even your worship. Because we all feel real good in worship and we feel real close to God in worship. So we walk out of here and think we're real close to God. And we can walk on the water, cast out devils, and raise the dead. But we can't even disciple or we can't get a growth off of our finger. You know, I was taught, I tell people this at eight years old, after I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And they would talk about the power of God, same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. We'd go outside the church at 10, 11, 12 years old, and we'd see dead grasshoppers. We'd try to raise them from the dead. Now, you can laugh at that, right? And I laugh, I'd laugh at it now. I'd be like, oh, they tried to look. I'd take a picture and post it. Huh, these are the kids laying hands on their stuffed animals. You know, you remember all, you know. But you got to practice somewhere. I was, I was told, learn to get rid of the headache because if you, you know, if the headache doesn't stump you, the growth won't either. Why? Because the Bible says, do not cast away your confidence. The problem is, some of us just don't have confidence. And why do you not have confidence? Because if you've never seen something work, you don't have a lot of confidence that it does. So how are you going to help somebody else when you lay hands on them? How much confidence do you have when you're wallowing around for the last 15 years at something in your life? Now, that doesn't mean you can't lay hands on somebody because you're not perfect and you've not been perfected. But what I'm saying is I learned at nine years old, you better have a faith project. Why? Because that person knew that I needed to learn confidence in my father. That person knew that I needed to understand that if he did it this way, he'll do it this way. And if I could believe God for my camp money and my parents didn't have to pay for it, but see, my mama couldn't pay for it, so I always had to believe God for it. And guess what? It was always there. So when I needed a car, guess what? It came and I did. God brought it to me. When I needed this, why? Because I had confidence. Some of us just need some confidence. And, and the, be- the quicker you get some confidence, the better off you're going to be. But the question is, what are you're making room for something in your life. And maybe it's just good fellowship. But guess what? That's where your confidence will be. When you have a problem, that's who you'll run to. All those people you sit around and drink coffee and eat donuts with. All those people that you text and, and, and snap, and, and that, that's where you're caught. What, what is it that you run to in times of trouble? That's what you've made room for. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I tell if you go to your room when something hurts you, when you go to your room when you're depressed and you've been, you know, uh, disappointed, disappointment is a very powerful thing, and you turn on some music or you turn, that's, that's, that's what you're turning to. That is your God. And let's see what it will do for you. It will make you more depressed. Anyway, Second Kings, this lady made a place, right? I'm going to ask you tonight, what are you 
making a place before for it. Because if you're not making a place for the anointing of God, then you will never finish and do what God has called you to do on this earth. You will never grow Christians. You will never have what God intended for you to have in this life. And I'm not talking about monetary things. Those things will come. It said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Let's get it right here. Seek first the kingdom. Man, that other stuff, it will come. But if you have it without the other, what does it matter? And it happened uh, one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. You get it. She made a place. The prophet comes. They, they, they built her room on. And, and uh, then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite woman. When he had called her, he stood before him. And uh, he said to him, so uh, now to her, look, you have been uh, concerned with us or for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of an army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. And so he said, uh, what then is it uh, that could be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. So you see what happened there. What I see is someone who is doing all right with God. She loved God. She even made a place for the prophet there. But she had gotten really comfortable at what life had given her. I'm good. I'm really good. I'm thankful. Man, all that God's done in my life, I'm really, I'm really thankful. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. There's nothing I need. I'm taken care of. But the prophet saw something that was in her that was a promise of God that was not yet fulfilled in her life. Yet through life and life's circumstances, she had got comfortable with where she was. She'd even been the person who built on the room for the prophet. But she wasn't believing anymore for what it was that maybe God had promised her. Right? At some point, this you know, had to be a desire of her heart. God would not have highlighted it if it wasn't. It somehow had been spoken. It somehow had been birthed in her. Right? And here it is. It says, uh, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. Her husband is old. So this had been quite some time for the possibility of children, and she didn't yet have it. What is it that's in your life that you even forgot that you were believing God for, that you forgot that you were supposed to walk in, that you forgot that God told you at a very young age you would do this? What is it that at, 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 at summer camps and at, at moments uh, uh, when you've been on the floor with the Holy Ghost and he said, you will do this, and you I call them sucking the rug services. You came out of here, and you snotted everywhere, and you... Uh, you know, cried everywhere. And the Spirit of God, I mean, it was like I could walk out of here and knock the devil upside the head and I'm going to school and everybody's going to be saved. I'm going to rah, 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 rah. You know, you're like that. And then six months later, you find yourself doing the same thing that you used to do. What is it? Because she didn't even bring it before the prophet. I mean, he's asking, what do you want? Like if you really was, like if you were speaking it in the name of Jesus, I'm the head, not the tail, and I'm going to bring this, I'm going to have this, and I'm going to do this, you'd have been blah, 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 right? So here it is. She says, so he called her, and when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. I don't even have time. 
Then he said about uh, this time, not I don't the doorway, but I don't have time to really highlight that. About this time next year, you shall embrace his son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. You know it's real. Like, say, don't, 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 don't tell me that you're going to do this and not do it. Don't lie to me. Because this is so, you just hit something in me that's been there for a really long time that I had figured out a way to cover it up so I didn't feel the pain of not having what my heart desired. I figured out a way to present my life that I'm having fun on this roller coaster and I'm doing it the way that I even built a room for you and I've done all this and I, I'm happy. Don't make me dig this thing up that I have figured out how to live without and don't promise me it's coming if it's not going to come. That's what she said to him. I know. A woman would know. And most of y'all men should know because you've been told by a woman once or twice. Um, And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son. When the appointed time had come in which Elisha had told her. And the child grew. Now it happened one day that when he went out to his father, to the reapers, and he had said to his father, my head, my head. So he said to his servant, carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat her on her knees. Till noon. Now what's interesting to me is she took, I mean you get it. He, he was out in the field. I was telling Grace the other day, we grew up cropping tobacco, hoeing watermelons and live oak. And we'd get those green people out there at the beginning of the summer, and we'd call it bear cult. Anybody ever heard? They got bear cult. And they're like, what? I was telling <laughs> and that's where I, so, you know, like a good teenager, hey, Siri, what is, we called it bear cult. And it said, what did it say? Heat exhaustion. So we always thought as little kids that he got bear caught right there. Like that boy, he was in the field. He got a headache and he had to go home. He got bear caught. Anyway, that's it. There's no anointing on that. Um, oh, now Siri's telling me. Here's what I found. Um, so he said to the servant, carry him. So she sits her on her knee. She takes the blessing of God, the plan of God, the will of God, And when she does it, it it looks like it's slipping. It looks like things are not going the way that it was promised to her. She sits it up on her lap. And she just sits there. Till noon. And then he died. Uh, Now, it says he died. That's what my Bible says. That's what that Bible says. And that's probably what your Bible says. He died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him, and went out. Now watch what this lady does. Then she called to her husband, and and I'm not really even highlighting, what we're getting to is getting down here. I'm I'm telling you the part you should already know. Um, Shut the door upon him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. She didn't tell him. Like he didn't even ask. I sent him to the house. What, what, what's going on? Is he any better? Or, my God, you sent him up here. What happened down there? Because he just died. She didn't say nothing. None of, there was not that exchange. Uh, it says, he said, why are you going to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, it is well. 
And we could go on about that. She didn't even tell her husband. But it wasn't her husband who brought it to her. And I'm, you know, I'm not, that's not a dis, I mean, husbands, there are things that God's going to bring your, your wife will never be able to give you. And if you're looking to each other for what God promised you, you're looking in the wrong place. And that is one of the deceiving things. Remember I said you're being deceived? You're looking in the wrong place. This, this lady didn't go looking in a place that couldn't uh, 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 manifest what she needed. She took him straight up to where she got it, which was in the prophet's room, and she was going to go to the prophet. And she didn't care who she ran into. We would post it on Facebook, and we'd get 75 prayer chains going. And I'm not against praying and calling people. I'm not making fun of that. But let me tell you, you don't need all of that if you know how to access God himself. So it says she put him up there. She walks out of the house. This was a wealthy woman. Okay, this is a wealthy woman who saddled a donkey and rode. The, that's something that she has people do for her. Ride. She, if you figure this out, she rode about four or five hours to go to where the prophet was. Left her dead son on the bed in her house and didn't tell anybody. Saddles a donkey and goes. And uh, it says, so it was when the man of God saw, she says, drive and go forward. Do not slacken uh, the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. Uh, So it was when the man of God saw her afar off, and he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman, please run now, meet her, and say to her, It is well with you. It is well with your husband. It is well with your child. Now this is what I want you to pay attention to. So he sends him out there, Gehazi, and he walks up to this lady, and he says this. And you know what she says to him? In the woman's paraphrase, says in the New King James, and she answered, it is well. Now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came to enter to push her away. Uh, That seems all nice and pretty. But let me tell you what she just did. She sidestepped Gehazi. Most people would have accepted Gehazi. He came to ask me, what's going on? Is it well with you? Oh, my God. I, let me, I just need, because he was with the man of God. He was the armor bearer. He was the Elisha. Uh, he, he was to Elisha like Elisha was to Elijah. This is Gehazi. And she said, you know what? Get out of my way, Gehazi. <laughs> she just sidestepped him right away. Now, let me tell you this. There are a lot of Gehazis in the church. Gehazi had been around the anointing. Gehazi lived with the miracles, yet he never performed one. Not in this story. He was in the meetings. He rolled around on the floor. He walked, he rode the roller coaster. He came out with the t-shirt. 
But you'll see later on. She said, Gehazi, you didn't give it to me. And you know what? I'm a discerning woman. You've lived in my house. I know what you can do. And you can't do anything for me. Some of y'all are running places to get something. And that shows me that you have a lack of discernment. You either have a lack of hunger for God or you have a lack of discernment. I happen to believe it's probably 85% of the first one and then about whatever the rest of that is of the second one. Right? Because we... (laughs) I'm done with math. I graduated. Um, That's my daughter. She's full on in it. But she said, you know what? You didn't do it for me. I've seen you in my house. I know who has the anointing. I know who walks at it. And that is what I'm going to stay close to. And that's what you see her do. And we have Gehazi's in the church. Let me tell you something. You shouldn't just grow up in this church and be happy just to grow up in this church. And don't wait until you're 25. Don't wait until you graduate. You mean tell you? Let me just tell you right now. This is a spoiler alert. When you turn 18 or you're 17 or whatever and you graduate from high school, you know what they will do? They will put a diploma in your hand. They will not put urgency in your heart. They will not put anointing in you. They will not develop what it takes to live with the power of God, walking, accessing those things. All they will do is put a diploma in you. Then you say, well, I'm going to go to college and I'll wait till college. You know what? They do the same thing at college. Well, I'll wait till I get married. Some of y'all still waiting on that. I'll wait till I get married and then I will do the what? No, 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 no. You know what they do? They put a marriage. They just put paper on you. You don't get God except from God. You don't get the fire of God except at the altar of God. You know how you get what Elisha got? You get what Elisha got because you spend time with God. And Gehazi was there like a lot of good church members, like a lot of good Bible school students. And the discerning woman of God said, get out of my way. I don't want anybody to look at me and say, get out of my way. I know you don't have it. That's what the devil is doing. It don't matter. I can can grab this guy right here because you don't even recognize. You don't even carry it. It's not alive in you. You ain't been on no roller coaster. You don't understand the tick, 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 what's coming. You're waiting for some video to flip around and the chair respond to it. You know what I mean? Like, like we got to understand this. So it says, um, she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near to push her away. And the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Um. Anyway, so she said, did I ask for a son, my Lord? Here she goes again. Like, you told me. You told me, you gave me, we understand all that. Did I not say, do you not deceive me? I mean, he's probably feeling it. I've been in this service one time because I believe in the anointing. I believe in the power of God. Are we online? They're not watching. You can say it. What are the chances? I bet I felt like Elijah before. Hypothetically, let's just say, allegedly, legend has it, <laughs> that there was a meeting one time, and miracles were happening. And I saw this lady laying there, and 
She had panty. This is back in, you know, some people still wear pantyhose. And it's all right. Pantyhose actually came back. They went back out, but they were here for a moment. Um, this lady's got on pantyhose laying. She's been slaying the spirit. She's laying on the floor. And I see her. And I think the one leg is just like this. And the other leg's kind of, you know, just relaxed. But this one's like this. And I realize, oh, that's a prosthetic leg. So I'm like, oh, in the name of Jesus. Like, we're going to see a leg grow. I mean, why else would there be a leg grow it's in here in a prosthetic leg? We're going to see the leg grow out. Why we have a meeting? We're having a, this is built as a healing meeting. So we should have, a, you know, this is what we should see. So I jumped down there on my uh, all fours, and I'm like, somebody got a knife. Somebody give me a knife because I read the book. Smith Wigglesworth said to the man with the peg leg, if your leg is going to grow out, you better take that peg leg off. How's that leg look? So I thought, oh, well, that sounds good. If it worked for him, it'll work for me. So here I am. I get down there. I'm like, somebody got a knife. People are like, a knife? What is this lady going to do? I'm like, nobody had a knife. So I said, give me a set of keys. So I took keys and I cut that lady's pantyhose and I ripped that prosthetic leg off and she had this little nub underneath her knee. And so I'm there, I got, so I, I had this big, I brought some Raymond singers and band with me that were singing. I, had, I could name them, and they probably would tell you the story. After this meeting, they said, I will never do another meeting with you. They were joking, but not joking. I scared them. And so I'm on the ground with this lady, and I'm like, just grow, grow. And we're seeing, you know, some growth and, and different things, and all this stuff happened for an hour. Things, things, things are happening, and we're feeling like that nub, it's, you know, growing out, and, and anyway, uh, long story short, after three hours, after a phone call to Brother Hagen, who was in Hawaii, after only getting Doug Jones on the phone, after all of these things, that leg had stopped growing, and we were like, what do we do, what do we do, because pastor looks at me and says, well, the way I see it is if you don't get the rest of that leg grown out, prostate legs cost about $5,000, you're either going to have to get the rest of that leg, or you owe that lady $5,000. I didn't have five dollars. <laughs> what are you doing? You're in in the middle. I mean, I'm like, can't y'all be happy that we got some bone growth and that like like can't we just you know Doug's like you know Doug John just keep switch faith turned on. Just tell them to keep. I said you come tell them to keep switch faith turned on. They want five thousand dollars or they want a leg. <laughs> like what you know? So I have a little idea of what Elisha must have felt like when that woman looked at him. And said, did you not promise me a son? Did you not tell me I would have a son? Did you deceive me? And so he does what any good minister would do. Buys a little time and says, Gehazi, get yourself together. Get ready and take my staff in your hand. And on your way, if you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer him. But lay my staff on the face of the child. But you know what? She still didn't take Gehazi. She said, I know, I know, I know what God looks like. I know what the power of God looks like. And I know how this works. And I know how my son, what will sustain him. I knew it before I left my house. And I know it right now. And she looks at the prophet of God and says, um, I will not go home without you, basically. She says, and the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. He said, I guess I'm going to go. Like, maybe he was following her unction now. <laughs> like, like, I don't know. Like, um, but anyway, so they arose and followed her. And you know the rest of the story. He goes back in. And, and no, Gehazi didn't get the child up. But he goes in, lays on her, breathes on her, and, 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 and the child lives. Right? And there's so much you could say about that that we've been taught about what you say and all of these different things. 
But what I'm telling you is, this is the day that we're living in. This is the day that you were born in. Whether you recognize it or not, whether you believe it or not, God puts you in 2022. However old you are, God puts you here because he knew what he put in you. And he knew that it was enough. And he knew that it could do exactly what Elijah did. But the question is, are you going to be Gehazi and just live around the anointing and make yourself feel real good and make yourself look like you're somebody? Because what I believe that God is calling today a different group of people. This lady who was very wealthy, who knew what it was like to have and be waited on and be cared for and be, you know, accolades and people probably came and praised her and people probably made her feel really good. Probably like a lot of ministers today that have propped themselves up in a green room and really sat back there around all their friends and went church after church in a green room and protected themselves. This lady said, I'm coming out of the green room wherever Everybody serves me, and I'm going to saddle up a donkey, and I'm going to go to the presence of God. I'm going to go to God, and I'm going to get exactly what God promised me. And because it's 841, and I've thoroughly scared some of y'all, but I believe that there's some people in this room tonight. That somewhere in what we've said, somewhere something has stirred up something of the promises that he's spoken to you. I don't care what age. There's promises that God has spoken to some six-year-olds in this church, some three-year-olds, some eight-year-olds, some 15-year-olds, some 25, some 55, some 85, whatever it is. But I'm telling you what, this is the day you say, well, I don't really know what to say. The best way to learn what to say is to open up your mouth. The best best way to learn how to disciple somebody is to call up a friend and say, hey, just come hang out with me. And you know how Jesus did it? He looked at somebody and he said, follow me. Now notice... He didn't, he didn't go asking, anybody, anybody, anybody need discipled? Anybody want, raise your hand. He said, no, you. It, it was, the Holy Ghost was helping him. There are people in your life, right? And he said, follow me. In the book of John, it says, look, he basically said, for this cause, John 18, I can't, um, anyway, he basically said, watch my life, watch how I live it, watch the way I do life, and you're going to learn how to do it differently. He wasn't afraid to live life with people. He wasn't afraid. Now, you know, some of y'all mess people up. Like, you can live any way you want, and you can do anything you want, and you can do all that. Oh, I know pastor says it this way, but, you know, I found out this works for me. No, it don't. It don't. You're riding a roller coaster with a spray bottle, looking at a screen, thinking, well, I feel wet. I feel like my neck's jacked up because I've been, you know, right, you jacked up. Like you, you believe in a lie. You are being deceived. If it's not working, figure out what's wrong. I tell people this all the time. If I put this, is, my kids are like, you, you, you get the most morbid examples. Like, you know, I say, if I put a bag over your head, a plastic bag, y'all all know, don't put plastic bags on your head. Don't ever do that. That's the dumbest thing you could ever do, right? But if I did put a plastic bag over your head and tied it around your, you would stop breathing. Why? 
because you don't have oxygen. And you can't live without oxygen. Let me tell you something. You can't live without the presence of God. Some of y'all sucking the bag through your mouth because you don't know how to live in the presence of God. And if I put that bag over your head, you would fight me with all your might to get that bag off. Some of y'all, you think, well, the anointing's not working for me. It's just not, I'm not, I'm not, my healing's not working. My faith is not working. It's because you're living with the bag on and you got to figure out what is blocking the oxygen what is blocking the anointing because God didn't make it difficult God didn't make it hard God made it where you could house the presence of God that you could live with him that you could transfer him to others that you could live in 2022 and you could be an answer to somebody's life you could be an answer to their problems he made it real easy but for so long people in the church the enemy has deceived them and it's as if a bag is on their head and nobody cares that for 40 years it's never worked for you but yet we still just keep doing it (laughs) keep doing it the same way same way same way I'm just going to do life this way what is that I go to church on Sunday morning well you know I watch what I watch on Tuesdays and Mondays and I hang out and I play my this and that, and you know, I'm not sinning, I'm not sleeping with nobody, I ain't never killed anybody, I ain't never. We didn't ask you if you ever slept with anybody or killed anybody. We ask you if you're breathing in the presence of God daily. We ask you if in Him you live, and in Him you move, and in Him you have your being. Because when Jesus did what he did before his disciples, within days, within weeks, their life was shifting. And you got to understand, we think we live in religion. These disciples had come out of an era that was the most religious era of the whole entire being of the world. Study it. And so I'm here to tell you, we, we just finished a series uh, with our youth group. John, y'all are reading the book of John, and, and I, I love uh, what, what uh, Megan and Justin are doing. And he said, yeah, we're, you know, I told him to read this and read this. Man, my God, I, our challenge was I was like, y'all go home tonight, and y'all read the book of John. No, no, no. By the time you come back to me next week, you should have read the book of John three times. Like, we're like, Go read this passage. My God, if you're not reading a book a week in the Bible, you're not reading the Bible. Like what we, we have settled for a mamsy, pamsy, lazy Christianity. You study in school for a test for hours and hours. You take notes for days and days. And we think that we can quote a scripture for a, a you know, and that's just, you know, and I'm, I'm all for quoting and I'm all, but I'm, what I'm saying is we should be living in these pages. If he says, read a chapter, so I say, go home, read the book of John. It says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, how are you going to disciple? You got to abide in him. How are you going to raise the dead? You got to abide in him. How is fire going to fall down in your school and at your work? How are you going to grow Christians? You got to abide in him. What does it look like? To abide in him means you can't be abiding in this. Like, I'm like, I want a shirt. Bring back the flip phone. Like, you know, where's the generation that will be singly focused? And here's a secret. Y'all are a part of this generation. You're alive. Like, you're alive. You're here. You're breathing. 
So, so here's the reality. Abide. This is what I did for them. I said, abide. What do you got to do every day? Everybody say daily. Every day. Daily. Daily means in a 24-hour period, this is what I'm doing. And it's not just a check in the box. It's my life. Some of y'all got better facial routines than you do spiritual. Some of y'all eat better physically than y'all do spiritually. Y'all wouldn't miss a meal in the natural. And you'd go buy the best, get it organic and green and gross and all that. Uh, Anyway, abide, altar. You got to build an altar every day. Build an altar. What does that mean? You spend time. That's not your Bible reading. That's not your meditation. That's not your quoting. That's not your preaching time. That is you You get at the altar. And what do you find at the altar? You find God at the altar. And you do that daily. Because when you get up from the altar of God, you walk out of your house differently than when you just made your, you know, spirit, Lena, China, milkshake, whatever, in the blender and thinking, I'm... I got it. I'd rather you spend time, if you've only got one amount of time, at the altar with God. That's good, and you need to get to that. But if this is all you got, that better be all you give. So altar, you got to abide. How do I abide in him and he abides in me? Altar, Bible. You can be reading the Bible every day. Don't tell your parents that. I mean, before your homework, before you, that's why you should do it in the morning, you know. Or at some point, you got to be in the Bible studying. Find, you know, that is, I, I could go through so many things to help you understand that. But altar, Bible, what is it? Uh, I, I. Yeah, abide. I'm spelling it. See, it takes him only a minute. Abide. Imitate. Imitate. That was our, now it could be all those. But see, your, your Bible, uh, uh, you, you just keep going. Altar, Bible, imitate. That's what I said. Deci- uh, disciple, no, depend. So you got to have faith. How are you going to have, here's, here, and here's where the rubber meets the road, okay? And we're going to kind of close with this. Depend, faith. Faith is a big part of your Christianity. He said, whoever believes, right? So you have to have faith in God, right? People talk about faith. Here's where the problem is. Why do people die of cancer in church, quoting the word, speaking? I, I've been there. I, my nephew at five years old died with a brain tumor. I can sit here and tell you, friends, some of the dearest friends of mine, uh, son, had an accident, 18 years old, and, and died. I was stand, in the hospital. We are believing God. We're away. So I'm not, if you, I'm sure all of us in here have had love. I have people, friends of mine died in COVID. I mean, I mean, I'm not sitting here because I've never had someone die on my, I'm not Brother Hagen. I had a church for 700 years and nobody ever died. That was his story. That is not my story. <laughs> so, but I'm telling you, we're contending for it, right? So, so why does that happen? Why, what is this picture of the roller coaster? I want to help you. What did I say? You're being deceived. You're being deceived. We think we're riding this. We think we've got it. We think we know it. We don't realize we don't have confidence till we need confidence, right? Abide. Alter. Bible. Imitate, depend, evangelize, depend, faith. If you're never at the altar, 
If you're never in the Bible, let me tell you something. The Bible will show you the character of God. When the devil lies to you, listen to me. The devil will lie to you, and he will say things about you that are untrue. And then you will believe it, and you will feel insecure even in your older uh, uh, years. He will lie to you, and if you do not know the word of God, and you do not know the truth, the only way that you can recognize a lie is to know the truth. I've said it for years, counterfeiters, uh, that for money, they don't... uh, go and study all the counterfeit opportunities. Uh, They go and study the real thing because if they know the real thing, when they see uh, the counterfeit, they recognize it right away. So if you're not at the altar of God, if you're not in the word of God every day, you will never be able to imitate God. The problem is that we have a lot of Christians speaking out there, laying hands, doing all of this, trying to bring the miraculous into this world, demonstrations when they've never spent time on their face. They do not know the word of God. They are trying to imitate something they know nothing about. They, they think that it comes easy, and just because they are in Christ, they walk in miracles. No, you Remember what we said? You, the potential is in there. It is in there. But until you pay them, what did Elisha do? He, he, she said, Gehazi, you have not paid the price of what this man has paid. This man has what I need. I recognize that he's paid the price, and that is where I'm going. So if you're not abiding and you're, you, you know, you're not at the altar and you are not in the word of God and then you cannot imitate God and how he lived life, then you do not have faith. If you're asking, somebody says, well, don't stop your medicine. If you're not really in faith, you go, well, I feel like I should stop my medicine. I don't know if I'm in faith. Am I in faith? Because I feel like, I, you, know, you know, just because you do something, that is not faith. But when you're at the altar and you know who God is and you've been touched by God and you've been in the word of God, and you know the truth of God and you know that because you are imitating what you have seen and it is evident in your life and other people see it in your life I can tell you, you are walking in faith and what do you do at that point? you go and you evangelize you grow Christians you make disciples and I'm telling you what if this church isn't doubled next year If this church is not doubled in six months, not because we're into numbers. My God, we could probably not handle the numbers, but God can. I'm going to tell you, because maybe nobody has told you, you're not abiding. And the Bible says, abide in me and I will abide in you. It goes on in that verse to say, it is so much to where if you ask anything in my, my name, I will do it. But you've got to be abiding. And you're going, I've been quoting the word. I've been speaking over my bank account. I've been telling my children. I've been do, asking. I've been quoting. You think, why is it not happening? Because you're not abiding. He said abide. Why are we not growing Christians? Because you're not abiding. You don't abide in this church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. It doesn't say abide in my house. It does say come to the church and then come even more as you see the day approaching. But it says abide in me and I will abide in you. Read it, John 15. Read it 12 times before you go to church tonight. Read the whole book of John this week. Three. I tell them, you got the Bible app? Read, you know, the little brown Bible app, whatever it is. You, you can hit play. It'll read it to you. It's 2022. You have no reason why the Word of God is not just going in you, that you're not abiding, not just daily, but momently. Like, so I, I could go on. I don't, I don't really have an off, and I don't have a Lois. Who says, Cindy, 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 stop. Come on. Like, shut the service down. 
So we're going to stop here for a second, but I, I don't, I, I'm a call to action preacher. Jesus said, follow me, and he expected them to do it right then. Well, well, I gotta, I gotta go bury my, I gotta go uh, to a wedding, I gotta go to a party, I gotta go, I gotta get my affairs in order. Now he didn't wait on them. He didn't. He didn't, and he didn't say, "Well, go to Bible school and figure this out." He said, "Go do it today. Follow me today." And you know what? I think it's very interesting. Um, we all we believe in prosperity, and I believe I'm there with you. But sometimes. Well, let me just say what the Bible's. Well, let me something I'm reading. Um, when he called the disciples, and they were out in the boat, and they couldn't catch fish, and he um, said, "Hey, throw it on the other side of the net." That was probably one of the biggest economical increases in their life. And you know what? They left it. They could have said, "Hey, Lord, let us just let us just." Uh, let us just wholesale this tonight. Like, do you know how much money we could get from this? But they left, I mean, he, they brought in that big haul, but you don't see them going out and said, they left it and followed him. What is it? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. But I don't think they ever lacked for anything. I think God went abundantly above and beyond everything. I mean, otherwise, they would have had enough money at the feet of the, they could have, you know, why was it that they had to multiply the, 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 anyway, I, I could go on and go on. So God, well, this is my prayer tonight. That tonight when you go home, that you don't just go, I know it's late, but my God, we're abiding. In this day, it's going to require longer services. It's going to require missing meals. It's going to require family time that gets canceled. I get you make priorities and you do all of those things. But I'm telling you, you're not going to see what God has told you you would see if you don't do something different than what you've been doing. There'll be meetings in here where y'all get down here at the altar and you start praying in a way that you've never prayed and you'll look up and it's 1 a.m. Sikira bambrogo sata. You'll start praying. People will start coming to that. I mean, there's stories. How are you going to stir up the gift of God in 30 minutes? In two hours? I mean, like, how are we going to do this? Like, I'm asking, you know, my kids, I always said, I'll never homeschool my kids. My kids will be stupid if I homeschool them. That's what I always said. This year, I'm a proud parent of two homeschoolers. (laughs) Because I'm telling you what, I told your youth pastors this. You can't disciple people in an hour a week. And if you think you're being discipled because you come to church, you are wrong. If you think a two-hour service, y'all ought to be pushing for six-hour services. That's my meal prep day. That's my shopping day. Well, how about... You come and pray for six hours at the church and y'all get a plan from God and you begin to pray in to this city and you pray manifestations down in areas of this city and you go home and somehow there's just food in your house. Like, I mean, what are we believing for? Like, again, headache, 
the, the, the tumor can go. You, what are you believing? Like, if we want to see God manifest, but we're not willing to even say, God, could you multiply my day? Could you multiply my time? Could you multiply? If I give you this, he gave me the, the, the loaves and the fishes, and God, you multiply. Am I going to give you this? Like, I'm going to tell you. I can remember some of the bet. That girl, Morgan, who was there here at church with Reagan, uh, we were in youth group together. I, I'll, I'll tell you this, and I'm, we're really going to try to figure out how to land this. It's not even a plane. It's just a, it's a, it's a ball. Oh, it's a roller coaster. It's a fiery combogulation of something, right? We would pray. We, one Wednesday night after youth church, we'd, our youth would go long. We'd have youth services on Tuesday night, come back to church on Wednesday night. We, I mean, we had, you know, I, and I played sports. Sports are different today than they were back then. I get that. They demand a lot. But, you know, if it happened on a, on a church night, guess what? I didn't go. And I had an athletic scholarship when I graduated from high school and sacrificed a lot in the middle of high school, but God honored that. And um, we were at Wednesday night service one night. And, man, the fire of God fell. And I'm like, oh, my God, I want to see my school just on fire. So I was probably a freshman or a sophomore. I think I was a sophomore. And I got three of the craziest, four of the craziest friends in my youth group that could drive. Because I couldn't drive. And I said, we're going to go and we're going to lay hands on my school. So, being from Live Oak, Florida, and nothing's open but what we called a Jiffy store. Remember when there were like Jiffy stores? Anybody remember Jiffy and the J-I-F-F-F-Y? I thought everything was a Jiffy store. I didn't know what Quick Trip was. Everything was a convenience store, like your 7-Eleven. Only thing open. So, I said, well, y'all, we need some of that. I didn't know. I didn't know fancy terms. I didn't know that that was olive oil or what it was that they laid hands on you and anointed you with oil. I had no clue what it was. So, we went to the Jiffy store, and we went inside the Jiffy store, and we said, hey, we need some, some oil. Oil, as we say it. We need some oil. They were like, oh, what kind of oil you want? You want 30 weight? You want this weight? We're like, what's that weight? You know, and uh, it was motor oil. They were saying, oh, no, we know that's not right. We don't want motor oil. We want, you know, like that oil, like they have at church. Like they have at church. What? You know, and they're trying to, well, I think you can cook with it. You, oh, you want cooking oil. Okay, yeah, we got cooking oil at the Jiffy store right around there on that other side. We look over there. We don't see little bottles of oil like we see at the church. Well, we don't see it. The man comes around there. Here it is, and he pulls out this tub of Crisco. That's all. Well, we hadn't been cooking. Our granny had been cooking our fried chicken. And so, uh, and we were like, this is oil. Is this that white stuff? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you get it hot enough, it, it turns into liquid. And we're like, oh, we're going to have some heat tonight. The fire of God is going to be there. So we each got a tub of Crisco. Five tubs of Crisco, and we went marching to Swanee High School right up the road here. And about 11 o'clock at night, we pop that top open, peel that little thing off, and we start scooping our hand on that white Crisco, and we go walk around the school. We're wiping it down the the double doors, down the creases of the door. In the name of Jesus, we will have revival on this campus. We're putting it on the door handles. We're wiping it on the concrete. We're put. We're just smearing it on the windows. In the name of Jesus, when people walk through this door, they will fall under the power of God. They will be convicted of their need for Sheila. We got five people walking. It's not a big school. We made a lot of covered a lot of ground with our five 
you know, and that's a, that's a, you know what I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all, it's a popka, right? We, we in here. And so all of a sudden, this guy, Bobby Douglas, he comes. I'm, I'm, shut up. I'm, I remember where I was. I was in the middle of these double doors, and I'm literally scooping this up, and I am wiping it in the center of this door, like in the crease. I have, I have, some of the doors had doorknobs. Some of them had those push things, and I'm like greasing it on this door and this guy Bobby he comes and he knocks on my shoulder and I turn around I'm thinking we got fire coming from the school because this guy looks like he just seen a ghost and I was betting it was the Holy Ghost and I was like Bobby what's going on he goes um someone's here I'm like is it Jesus is he here no it's the police (laughs) so they got the young one Bobby was out of high school. He's running. I'm like, why didn't you take care of it? Like, I'm over here praying. Didn't you? You should have, you know, cut their ear off or something. At least Peter had enough sense to do that. Like, come on. Like, can you not tarry with me, Bobby? Can you not tarry? (laughs) Tell you what. Them old folks. See, I was like, you know, 13, 14. And he's already 18 and already going to the wayside. Like, what, what is happening, Bobby? Could you not take care of it? Anyway, um, we saw revival that year. I mean, I can tell you, they, they took our names. They were going to, like, it was, it, try explaining to a policeman. Have you ever read the Bible? They're asking you, what are you doing? They thought we were greasing the locks. I'm like, greasing the I don't even know how to grease a lock. Like, and what would we, like, and he's like, like, it's all, you don't understand. It, like, vandalism, Crisco. I'm like, is, is, is Crisco really vandalism? Like, come on. Anyway, we had to talk. But we had more people saved. We had almost 700 people saved. Just one event that the Lord told us to do that year. But I'm telling you what, as a church, that's not just for them. because it was, I mean, that's where I was. I was in my high school. But where are you? Where is your high school? Where is your place? Where is your place of influence? Everybody stand up. Let's do this. Because, again, y'all got to go home. To come back tomorrow. I mean, how should get somebody needs to call a prayer. Somebody needs I mean, I'm telling you, y'all should go home tonight and pray. Some of y'all should go home and pray till one o'clock. Not because it's one o'clock, because you just can't stop. Because heaven enters your room. Because you say, I want more. More is here. He's a person. He's the Holy Ghost. You say, I want more. How do you get more if you're not with more? I, I, I mean, I really, we, we, we could just pray right now. Let's just do that for five minutes because I'm just going to turn it over. Because I'm just telling you, y'all, I, 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 I really challenge you to live. There is, there is a call in this church that is going out. And if you don't hear it, you've become numb to what God is doing. And, and you know, we ask questions to ourselves every once in a while. Like, how do I know? I'm, you, how, you, the best thing, and, and let me just tell you, I, I, you said you do this for yourself. I do. I know I, sometimes I say things that are very, very harsh or very a certain way that locates you. But you know what? When you go to a mall and you want to get somewhere, what's the first thing you find? You find that directory, and what do you locate? The place you want to go? Well, you might find the place you want to go, but what do you have to locate before you can get there, where you are? And the best thing you could do is look in the mirror. 
and not keep saying, I'm on a roller coaster. I'm, on a tra- I'm, I'm doing something. I, I'm sweating. I got the wet hair and the crooked neck to prove that I'm doing. No, 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 no. Look in the mirror and recognize where you are so you can get where God is calling you. You need to go home tonight and get an assessment and say, Holy Ghost, you show me where I need to pick up. You show me. Because what is it? It's deception to not be walking in it. And deception is where the enemy has kept you from seeing something. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is a revealer of truth. But can you take truth? Remember the message, the, the, the movie, Don't Go Home and Watch It? You can't handle the truth. People don't really want truth because truth is a person. And when he walks in the room, everything changes. Everything has to bow. Are you willing to bow? Are you willing to let things in your life bow? Some of us are keeping him outside the room because we know what it will happen if he gets inside the room. And we won't even tell ourselves that that's how we're living. All not doing anything bad with my life. That's the deception of the enemy. That's the treadmill. That's the roller coaster, virtual roller coaster. You feel like you're doing it. You feel like you're getting the experience, but you're not. And the proof is in your life. That's the checkup. It's not always pretty to admit, you know, because we've got the, the, the understanding. You've got the power of God. There's more power in you to raise the whole cemetery down the street. Like, you don't lack for power. You don't lack for favor. You don't lack for God. You don't lack for faith. You might not have a lot of confidence, but you have confidence in something. The problem is you've put your confidence in modern medicine. You've put your confidence in something else. Well, what do you do for 25 years, 55 years, 65 years, when every time you turn, it's to modern medicine? And then you get a report that that modern medicine can't fix, and you're going to, for the first time, really throw your confidence toward God. Well, no wonder people die. Because we've lived our whole life with confidence over here. People don't like this because it puts a responsibility on your choices. You don't have a sin problem. You don't have a faith problem. What you have are poor choices. And the Holy Spirit will reveal to you. You have this, uh, 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 what is it, the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. For every opportunity you have to make a right choice, you have an opportunity to make a wrong choice. And that choice isn't necessarily sin or not sin. People think sin is their problem. No, choices are your problem because your choices will either put confidence in God or it will put confidence in the things of this world. And that is your problem. That is the reason you don't have results. That is the reason you don't abide. That is the reason we aren't growing Christians the way that we should. So the only way I know how to stop this, I'm, I'm guessing everybody prays in tongues. I don't like it when people leave and you don't pray in tongues. Everybody born again in here, eyes up, heads up, seven up, run around the room. Anybody in here, ask your neighbor. Say, in, in, sincerely, you know who's sitting beside you. If you don't know who's sitting beside you, look them in the eye and say, do you know, do you know Jesus? Are you spirit-filled? Look them. Like, this is good exercise. You need to go to the gas station and just talk to somebody because some of y'all just don't even know how to talk to somebody about the things of God. So everybody in here spirit-filled? All right, so we're going to pray about 10 minutes here, and I'm just going to turn it over to the pastor because otherwise I'd lay hands on all y'all and we'd be here till 1 o'clock and we'd have a real prayer meeting here. 
All right? So everybody in here is saved and spirit-filled. That should tell you something. That should tell that either y'all are growing Christians so well, you're getting them saved and spirit-filled before they get in here, which is wonderful. That's great. That's right where we want to be. Or you're not doing that and you're not bringing anybody. Now, I believe that you're capable of getting them saved and spirit-filled even before they come here. But my God, you should meet somebody in the Target line. You should meet somebody in the Walmart or in the grocery store or somewhere at Publix. The Publix has the anointing of God all in it. If you don't believe me, go move somewhere that doesn't have a Publix. I mean, it's just a tragic world that you know you live in without a Publix. But what I'm saying is, you should be somewhere where you can say, "Hey, just come to church. Meet me there. Meet me." I'm just telling you, have a word for them right there in the aisle, and you, they wind up coming here on Sunday. You exchange numbers, and they're here, and that's the only conversation you've had. But then you've got people who are showing up at your house every Thursday night that you're discipling, that you're making a space for them on your. And on there, like we've got to get here, people. Otherwise, we're going to live and die, and we're going to get to heaven with regret that we didn't give what God was asking us to give, which was our life. It was a life exchange. Maybe y'all didn't realize what happened. When you laid down your life, you laid it down and you took up His. Again, I'm starting, I mean, I'm telling you, this. The anointing of God is all on you, not just, and if you got to go, I know we're long. I appreciate y'all coming. Hey, I'm expect. what is it, Agape Christian School? Sophia and um, a pop cake. What did I say, Agape? It's the love of God. I'm telling you what. In the next three months, I believe that you're going to have at least three major demonstrations through your lives but it will happen because you step out and you say well man I'm, I'm known for being pretty but no, 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 I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not asking where you've been I'm asking where you're going God is asking for a generation that is singly focused that there's no distraction in their life he's going to ask you to lay down some things you say well I, I'm not doing it now, I'm not saying you're doing anything bad I'm not saying that's, I don't think that at all but there's some things that you're going to step away from some friends that you're going to step away from because when you step away, you're going to turn to something because if I'm looking in this direction and I'm receiving from here, that means my back is to this. Right? And I'm telling you, there's going to be three notable demonstrations in the next three months that come out of your lives. Reach for it. Contend for it and walk in it. Amen? And I'm telling you right here, this lady in white, y'all are a couple, um, Rest, I, every time I looked at you tonight, all I saw was restoration. Restoration. The restoration of everything in your life. Everything in your The restoring power of God is an amazing thing. It is an amazing thing. Amazing thing. Why does he want you restored? Because he went to the cross. He gave his life so you would be restored. He doesn't want you just restored so you can go restore others. Sure, that's a, a, an effect of that. But I'm telling you, wholeness is your portion restoration in everything of your, I don't know what it is, if it's kids, if it's family, I don't know what it is, but I'm telling you what, God is a God of restoration. 
God is a God of restoration. And when you abide in him and he abides in you, you ask anything you want and he will give it to you. Is that a condition? Like, well, I want you. No, it's the thing that brings you to dependence. It's the thing that gives you faith in God. And when you have faith in one thing and confidence in one thing, you do not have confidence in anything else. And I'm telling you what, God, if you say, well, I just don't know. Well, God is telling you tonight that restoration is coming to you. And how do you, how do you access what God has for you? Because see, that's where the church, the disconnect has been. It's a promise. It's something that's even spoken to you right now. And there are people who walk out and never walk in it, even though God highlighted it to them, even though for everyone it was given to them. How do you, how can you miss it? How can you not have that? When reality is 99% of us are living without what God intended us to live with in every area of our life. It's an awareness. I say this and I don't want to start another sermon because I told you we're going to pray in five minutes and we're going to get to the pastor because we got to close it. I tell people this. The biggest problem is that we got born again. We got born into this world. And we were acclimated into this world. Your mama, your daddy told you, the stove is hot. The road is dangerous. Don't run with knives and forks and pencils. You'll stab your eye out. Right? They, they acclimated you to this world. That's how we can live in this world and not just, you know, do something stupid. But then we get born again and nobody acclimates us to the kingdom of God. The way you get healing here is not the way that you get healing here. The way you get finances here is not the way that you get finances here. And for most of the church, we've not acclimated ourselves and we've not been acclimated to the kingdom of God. We don't live in a spiritual realm. We live in a natural realm trying to get spiritual results, but that's not what happened. You were translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And if there's one thing that you pursue in these next six months is to make yourself aware of this kingdom. You abide in this kingdom because he is this kingdom. And you abide in him and he abides in you. And you acclimate yourself to this realm, then whatever you need, you have because you are living in this realm. What you need does not come from this realm. It comes from this realm. Well, wouldn't it make sense that you wouldn't just try to live over here and dabble and maybe every once in a while grab something and get it somehow, some way. We don't even know how we got it. And and that's why it's hit or miss. And we wonder, well, why does God do it sometimes? And why does God not? It ain't got nothing to do with God. It's us in the realm that we're willing to live in and be more aware in. Wouldn't it make sense not to live in this realm and try to get something from over there to get it over here? Wouldn't it make more sense to come and live in the kingdom that you've been born in and that you've been born from in this kingdom and to just access and live in everything that he has right now? So, Father, right now we commit this week. We commit this week to acknowledge the realm that we are born of, the kingdom of God. And we say from this realm, realm we will live in. From this realm we will operate in. Father, we say right now that we want to be taught by the Holy Spirit just like Paul was taught. Not from religion.
religious practices, not from man's uh, 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 ways of religious doings, but we want to taught, be taught by the very teacher himself. Father, teach us how to love God. Holy Spirit, teach us how to live from above. Teach us how to abide in him. We commit this week every morning to waking up and say, Holy Spirit, you are my teacher. Teach me how to abide. Teach me how to make disciples. Teach me how to grow Christians. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember... Our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.